Good morning. I'll tell you, singing up here next to Paul Fredrickson, having me singing next to Paul Fredrickson, I feel like Danny DeVito and twins next to Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) You know, it's it's like I'm a a test tube accident or something. Anyway, let's go to the Lord with a prayer for illumination. Heavenly Father, I pray as we open your word today and hear your word preached and read, I pray, Lord, that you would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our paths. I pray, Lord, that we would respond by trusting in the Lord and not leaning on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledging you, Lord. And we have faith that you will direct our paths. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The reading today is from the psalm, Psalm 18, and it's verses 1 through 16. And uh, I'll give you a minute to find that in your Bibles. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. Thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke forth from the clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. The word of the Lord. David, good morning. Just returned last week from a great trip to Honduras that you made possible and others. And uh, Howard said, preach on what you want to. So I first looked at the book of Leviticus and thought about going through every verse in Hebrew, but that didn't really hit anybody. So I kept thinking about what we kept experiencing in Honduras, and that was the power of the name of Jesus, the name above all names. 
So I wanted to look at these verses in light of that, and let's talk about what that means, this name above all names. Our first reading is from the Acts, uh, book of Acts, Luke's uh, historical co- uh, compilation, Acts, Acts 19, verses 13 through 17. Acts 19, verses 13 through 17, that's page 1180 in your hymn Bible. What's happening is Paul is uh, in Ephesus starting the new church. And Ephesus is a place of magic and shysters and con men and voodoo. And there's all this demonic activity going on. And he's healing people and driving out demons. And even people are taking articles of Paul's clothing and giving it to sick people and it makes them well. And then these guys come along and they misuse the name of Jesus. Let's read this first and then we'll go to a corresponding verse in Philippians. Acts 19 verses 13 through 17. Hear what Luke says. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Now there were seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva who were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them and mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Let's parallel that verse to Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, if you would. Flip to Philippians 2.9 in your Bible, Pew Bible, that's uh, 1.2.4.8. Let's compare these verses and see how they enlighten one another. Paul says this to the church of Philippi. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Are you pretty good with names? You ever have trouble remembering somebody's name? You always call them the wrong thing, or you've known someone for 10 years and yet you can't bring their name up? There's a story of a comedian walking downtown Dallas in the 70s, famous, most famous comedian of his day. He's getting ready to do a big concert, and this woman from Dallas ran in him. She goes, I know who you are. You're that guy. You're that. And he started to tell her, no, 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 let me guess. And she kind of, you're you're that guy. I know who you are. You're that guy. You're, you're, don't tell me, don't tell me. And finally, the guy said, I'm Bill Cosby. She said, no, that's not it. Unfortunately, Bill Cosby's name has gone from being a name of great honor to being a, a name that's dishonored. And that's kind of what's happening here. Um, <clears throat> my mother-in-law, we talk about names in the name of Jesus. My, my mother-in-law is a sweet lady, and she was pulling through Chick-fil-A the other day, and she did one of those pay-it-forward kind of things where there's a bunch of high school kids behind her in a car, and they're all packed in the car, and she paid for hers, and she said, I want to pay for theirs. And the cashier uh, rung her up and gave her a seat, and she drove off, kind of, and she looked down at the cashier, and the name of the cashier was Jesus. She said, that, that's really right. That's the, I mean, who knew that Jesus worked at Chick-fil-A, but uh, that's maybe that's why the food is so good, and there's always plenty of it, but, uh, but I'm sure Jesus appreciated that. But she drove away thinking, you know, that, that's really what that was about. That was really about Jesus. And we want to talk about the name of Jesus, what that really means, and how we've probably lost that. That's been eroded in our culture. In fact, it's a scary thing. If you look up Jesus Christ in Wikipedia, you have this mixture of the right use of Jesus' name and abuse of Jesus' name. Wikipedia will say Jesus the Christ, not his last name, Jesus the Christ. And the first definition says the chosen one, the anointed one, the son of God, the high and holy Messiah. Yeah, that's right. 
But the frightening addition to that definition, it says, also an exclamation, a curse word, or a name said when people are angry or upset. That's a frightening misuse of the most important name above all names. And that's what's going on here in this true story in the book of Acts. That these men are taking this high and holy, most holy of all names, and they are misusing it. It's identity theft. It's hacking the name of Jesus. And look what happens. Let's see what we can get out of this. It says that these men are, this is a strange phrase. It says that Paul is healing, and Ephesus is this city of magic and voodoo, kind of like being downtown New Orleans in some places, and all this witch, witchcraft going on. And there's these guys that see Paul healing people. And so they say, hey, let's throw him into the mix. It says they're itinerant Jewish exorcists. That's kind of an oxymoron. That's like saying a hippie Republican. Or, 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 or maybe a charismatic Presbyterian, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's an oxymoron because Jews are forbidden by Levitical law to practice magic and conjuring and sorcery, but they're doing that. They're shysters. They're con men. And they've been trying to fake heal and do all this razzle-dazzle. And they hear that Paul's healing people. So they say, hey, let's just throw his name in. So they get hired to go into this house, these seven guys, to, ex- to, to do an exorcism of a demon. And as they're throwing, hey, you, we're going to heal you by the name of that guy Paul who we met in the name of Jesus that he talks about. And the demon says a frightening thing. Yeah, we know who Jesus is. Of course we do. He's master of the universe. Someday he will banish us. We know him. We're afraid of him. We even heard of Paul in the demonic world. But who are you? Who in hell literally are you? We don't know you. And then it says he leaps upon them, rips their clothes off in shame, and drive, beats them up and drives them out. And the response is very interesting. It says all the people of Ephesus, the Jews and the Gentiles, the pagans, they all, it says, extol the name of Jesus. What does that word extol mean? We have a, a definition here. To extol means to laud, to acclaim, to celebrate, to praise. That's the appropriate use of the greatest name that's ever been given, to extol and to praise. They get it. And in fact, it says that people are so overwhelmed by this story that they didn't even see that all the magicians and all the sorcerers and all the con men bring all their magic stuff and all their sorcery and all their books, and they have it book burning in the middle of the city, and they convert to Jesus Christ. That's the power of the name. What about you and I? What might we get out of a story like this? Well, I have three things that mean something to me that hopefully we can walk away with. These three things that I get out of this story. Number one, that we are powerless in our own name. Under our own name, we are actually powerless. Number two, you cannot know him secondhand. You cannot have a secondhand relationship with Jesus Christ. And thirdly, we're actually in danger apart from the name of Jesus. We put ourselves in physical, eternal danger, not knowing his name. Let's talk about those. We are powerless in our own name. Jesus actually says this. He says, apart from me, you really can't do anything. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We live in a culture where all our children hear all the time is, you can do this. I think I can. I think I can. You can believe in yourself. You can have a higher power. You can, you can just do this. You can do an Oprah thing and believe enough and it'll happen. This whole self-image, you can do anything you want. Well, Jesus says exactly the opposite. You can't do anything apart from me. And Paul says it like this, I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength and the power, not in our own name. When we were in Honduras 
two weeks ago. We all planned everything, and we raised money, and we had it all organized, and we had it all together. And we thought we just knew what we were going to do. We are going to help these poor Honduran people <laughs> in the name of First Presbyterian, in the name of Americans, or the name of good people. And we got there, and God just surprised us. Over and over again, things that we could never even thought of, things he did that were nothing to do with us except that we were there in his name. We went one time, there's a local uh, businessman in our church, he gave us thousands of dollars to buy brand new soccer cleats for kids in Honduras. Most kids where we are don't have shoes at all. Soccer cleats are a big deal. Lori Bobby Pinkston and some other members of our group went way, way up above the city of Capon. This little Mayan school, barely half this big with 100 kids in it. And they just brought this action packer full of brand new soccer shoes. Random sizes, random. We didn't, we didn't have any idea. We didn't know. And, and I think, Whitney, did you go in this group? And so <clears throat> she could tell you the story better than I. The principal said, don't open this in front of the kids. It'll be, it'll be pandemonium. So the principal took these shoes and this, our friends and they went to her office and called these little boys in one at a time to get their brand new pair of soccer shoes. And again, Whitney, they just didn't know how many or how long they would come. One would come in, they'd reach back, what size are you? And they'd pull out and find a size. And slowly, about 30 kids, and finally there's about two or three, and they're praying, do we have enough shoes? Do we have the right sizes? And sure enough, they reach back, and there's another pair to the last little boy comes in, and he says, what, we said, what pair, what size, dose? And she looks back, and there's one pair of shoes, size two. Every, every kid, every size. That's what happens in the name of Jesus Besides your preparation and all your American ingenuity, only God can do that. We're powerless for things like that, except we do it under his name. There's a great quote by a guy named C.T. Studd. He says it like this. We've only one life. It will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Are you doing your job in the name of Jesus? Are you raising your kids in the name of Jesus? Are we as a church worshiping and working and doing all this great stuff in the name of Jesus? Are we doing everything under the name of Jesus and not just our own? Paul says that at the end of all time, when we are in front of God, the Father, we will pass through a wall of fire and only the things done for Christ will be left. I don't want to be standing there smoking hair on fire empty-handed. How about you? We're powerless in our own name. The second thing I get out of this is we can't know him secondhand. Did you hear what these guys said? They said, we adjure you, we want to exercise this demon in the name of Paul who knows Jesus, that name. You ever met someone that always kind of name drops? Well, I know a guy who knows a guy. A friend of mine has a daughter, and her uncle knows Tony Romo. (laughs) Well, I met this guy that met the guy that met Blake Shelton. That kind of secondhand name dropping stuff, that's what these guys are doing. They're name dropping. It's identity theft. They're hacking Jesus' name. They have no clue who he is. They just know there's some power there. So they're just throwing that into their witchcraft, some magic charm, some seance, some rabbit's foot Jesus. They're just going to throw in. They don't know who he is. They say in the name of Jesus. They don't say in the name of the Lord Jesus who we believe. They don't say in the, this Jesus who is the Lord of the universe. They just throw his name in there just secondhand. And it's frightening. But scripture says that there's a lot of people in churches and a lot of religious people that do the same thing. A lot of people in our country. We just throw the name of Jesus out there when we need it. He's our ATM. He's our credit card. He's our magic. When there's a crisis or when we want to be spiritual, we just kind of throw the name of Jesus out there lightly. We just kind of use it when we want to. He's my aide. He's my accomplice. He's my assistant. He's not the Lord of the universe. And Jesus says, that's not how you know me. The most frightening verse to me in the Bible is this verse right here. It says, I think we might have it up there. On that day, 
Many will say to me, it means the end of time. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will say to them, this is frightening to me. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There's no second-hand Christianity. There's no spiritual grandchildren in the body of Christ. There's no hand-me-downs. Being baptized as an infant up here or your mother and father praying for you, this isn't your mommy and daddy's faith. This is your grandparents' faith. This isn't someone else's faith. It's got to be your faith and your relationship with Jesus and my relationship with Jesus. We have to know him firsthand intimately. That's what Jesus is talking about. Do you know that man personally? Do you know the Lord of the universe? Or you just know about his name and throw it around? The second day we were in Honduras, had the opportunity to preach in a in the church of Copan in this beautiful, non-denominational bunch of believers up in the mountains of Honduras. And I, I get to preach, which is a frightening thing because I know very, my Spanish is horrible. I can't pronounce my name correctly. And we walk in and they're just hundreds of people and they've got their Bibles and they're just so excited. We walk in, we're Americans. And I have my PowerPoint and I have my Bible and I have my six points and I go to seminary and all this stuff and I'm ready to preach. And I look around, and the pastor's not there. The senior pastor's nowhere to be found. And I kind of walk into the church, and I look back in this little corner, this quiet place in the dark, and here's the senior pastor. He's on his knees. <laughs> He's crying. He's begging Jesus to be there. He's begging the Lord to bless that service. And I felt ashamed of myself. I want to know that Jesus. I want to know Jesus like I heard him pray. I just got on my knees next to him. I just wanted to know Jesus like he does. Are you living vicariously secondhand, thirdhand relationship with Jesus? Off of some words that Rick Warren or Tim Keller or Matt Chandler or Billy Graham or somebody else, that their experience of Jesus? Are you having your word of the Lord come through a preacher or someone else besides your own time with Jesus? Are you seeing God do miraculous things in other people's lives and not your life and my life? You can't have a second-hand relationship with Jesus. We've got to know him firsthand. Do you know him personally? Otherwise, it just doesn't count. It's just a name. Thirdly, we are in great danger apart from his name. Do you realize the danger we are apart from his name? When I... Ah, when my daughter was about three, Chandler and my two boys were like five and six, we played this game. I was a single father and I had to come up with anything I could. So we'd get in the living room and I would put Chandler behind me. I'd tell my boys, if you can grab her or touch her, I'll give you a dollar. Pretty creative, right? So I would stand there and they would try to touch her and she'd squeal and say, just stay behind me, honey. And she'd run around, they'd try to get her and I'd push them back. But every once in a while she'd get from behind me and then run over and grab her. It got very expensive. That's what the scripture says. Jesus says, I hold my sheep in my hand and no one will touch them. Remember, scripture says that Satan is like a lion. He's prowling the earth seeking someone to devour. But under the protection of the name of Jesus Christ, he can do nothing apart from God. Let him do it in our lives. And living out from under the protection and the knowledge of Jesus Christ is a dangerous way to live. It is life-threatening. It is a scary way to live. Remember that the devil himself had to come to God and say, can I test Lot? God says, I'll let you do that for a little while because I have a bigger purpose, but I'll tell you when you're done. It's the same thing with Jesus Christ. Paul says, if you want to live out from under his protection, God will give you over in Romans 1. He'll just let, go, let you go, give you your own, <laughs> your own way. One last story when we were in Honduras. <clears throat> the second day, we have a young man, a great carpenter. His name's Michael. 
and we're up helping uh, pour 327 sacks of concrete for the gymnasium for this school that all these Mayan kids are going to come to. And they're trying to build, him and a couple of the guys, the Honduran, we're trying to build this uh, shack for tools. And a giant two-by-four made of Honduran wood, which is about four times denser than pine, comes loose of the toehold and hits Michael here and here and busts open his head. So we run Michael to the local clinic where they, <clears throat> Dr. Keister and the foundation have actually built this clinic in Copan for these Mayan women that'll be, they'll walk for day, half a day pregnant in labor. They walk and they have their baby there. They get the next day and they walk back. There's hundreds of, of women there having their, their babies finally have health care. And so we take Michael to this labor clinic with a bleeding head. And it just so happens that the doctor that visits every once in a while a month, the only surgeon for hundreds of miles is there. She begins to stitch him up. It just so happens that the health inspector who comes by maybe once a year was there, who had the authority to give him the one tetanus shot that was available in the whole city. It just so happened that Michael was able in his wonderful faith to share why he was there in the name of Jesus. Folks, things like that they don't happen by accident. They happen because Christ uses everything in our lives. Nothing passes through that hits us that doesn't pass through his hands. But here's a more dangerous moment in history if we live outside of the name of Jesus. Acts says this, Peter says, there's salvation in no other name under heaven given among men by which men might be saved. No matter what Oprah says or Rob Bell says or rainbow people say about God loving everyone and forgiving everyone, it's just not true. It's a dangerous heresy. The scripture says that unless we call on the name of Jesus Christ, confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, then and only then will we be saved. And our culture is trying to water that down and make us politically correct and make us believe that it's tolerance to let people live in ignorance apart from Jesus Christ at the risk of their own eternal salvation. The name of Jesus and Jesus alone. He will sit at the table with no one else. Here's one of the most dangerous places, most dangerous times in all of history. Paul's talking, he says, let me tell you something. There's going to be a time when the entire human race, every human soul that's ever existed from the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, to the last baby ever born on this earth, the entire human race will be in front of God the Father at the end of time. And there will be a moment where Jesus Christ will be presented and the angels and God will say, this is my beloved son, King of kings and Lord of lords. And Paul says that at that very millisecond, every single human being will fall on their face. From Adam and Eve to Hitler to Genghis Khan to Buddha to Moses to Mohammed to Napoleon to Obama to Donald Trump to Howard Stern, you name Every single soul will bow down in reverence. Some will bow down in adoration and joy because they've been doing it and they've been practicing, those that know it. And others will fall down in absolute fear of realizing they made the most dangerous mistake of their life by not knowing the person of the name above all names. There's a small glimpse of this in the scripture in a true story. It says in the book of John that when Jesus is in the garden praying, maybe you've seen the passion where it shows Jesus praying. In the moment of darkness, it says that the men come to arrest him, the mob soldiers, Roman soldiers with shields and spears, the guard from the synagogue, the Pharisees, this mob of a hundred armed men come to arrest this carpenter, this defenseless unarmed carpenter. 
And a guy named Tiscott has painted the most interesting picture of this account in John. It says that they come into the garden, and it's dark, and Jesus stands up and says, Who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, That's me. And the scripture says that they all fall down in front of him before they arrest him. Folks, that's going to happen historically. Will you bow down out of faith and joy or out of fear and terror? Even more importantly, do you have friends, neighbors, people that you work with, own members of your family that are not ready for that moment? That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Are you ready? Have you been practicing? Are we bowing down in our own life now? Have you ever bowed to the name of Jesus and called him Lord and Savior? If you're not, you're living a dangerous life. Those of us that call us under the name of Christ, are we bowing down physically? Are we bowing down in our prayer? Are we bowing down in our financial life, our sex life, our money life, our power life, our pride, our anger, our job? Are we bowing down and kneeling to Jesus in the name of Jesus? We have to be those kind of people. That's what the scripture says. We can't be people that don't understand the name of Jesus. So just in closing, are you doing everything in Jesus' name? What part of my life and your life is not being done in Jesus' name? Secondly, are you experiencing him firsthand, not a vicarious hand-me-down relationship. Today's the day to call him directly and know him personally, to call on the name above all names. Are you placing ourselves under his power? Are you placing yourself under his power and protection? Your family, your job, your church, are you claiming those things for Jesus in his name? And then lastly, what area of your life do you need to bow down to? I need to bow down to that's not his yet. That's not under his name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Do you know him? Let's pray. Now, Father, in the name above all names, in the name of Christ, as the psalmist said, we don't boast in chariots or horses or power. We boast in the name, in your name, the name above all names. Thank you, Lord, that when you sent your Son when he got up on that cross, he had our names on his lips, our hands, in, our, our names engraved in your hands, that he died in our place, that we might have a new name. And Lord, thank you that there'll be a time that we will get to be with him in heaven. And his name will be written on our heads, scripture says. And that he will give us a white rock with a name that no one else knows, that's just between us and Jesus, because we've named his name. I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know and have not bowed down to the name of Jesus, that they would do so. And know that they're living at great risk. And they're missing out on the greatest adventure. And I pray that, those, that this church that would not do things in the name of our church or the name of our denomination, but in the name of Jesus. And I pray personally that each one of us would know where you need us to bow down, especially me, Lord. Where I've not knelt to you in areas of my life. That I've not given those things over to the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ. So we do pray in his name, Lord.